Oh, hello, everybody. Welcome to Born Funny with Jimmy and Nath. You're right, Jim. Deserves a round of applause. Uh, new pod. New pod alert, guys. Uh, if you're listening, <laughs> if you're listening, it's a new, to, new pot horn. If you're listening to this, um, it is the first episode of a, a new season uh, called Born Funny, where essentially Jim, you and I, we catch up. With new some season. Of, it's the first season. There's, well, there's been no other. Season. Which is also a new season. I, I, you know what I mean? <laughs> it does both. We have not talked through this, <laughs> podcasters, but we. We're learning like you are. It is the first season, or the newest season, uh, of Born Funny, where, Jim, you and I, we catch up with some of the funniest people going round to try and come to the conclusion of whether or not they were born funny or they picked it up along the way. Yeah. Um, very excited. Uh, you're going to hear, so this first episode is Luke McGregor. Yep. I'm pretty sure it says it in the title, so I didn't spoil anything there. Um, Unless you had no idea or half it was cut off. Luke, who? Um, just really quickly, um, Nathan and I, we do we do um, radio, we do late nights around the country, do weekend breakfast, do a whole bunch of stuff. Um, when we did this with Luke, this is an idea Nathan and I have had for years. Yeah. Um, we did this two years ago? It was during COVID. I can Three tell you that. Ago? So there'll be COVID chat. I think it was 2020. 2020 Three or 2021, maybe. So, we, yeah, apologies to Luke. 2021. messaging us going, is that podcast ever happening? Because we also told him. So we were so excited when we came up with it. So we were doing Hobart Breakfast on uh, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. in Hobart and Tasmania. Yeah, and now, of course, we're back on the mainland, as they say. We do National Nights, National Again, Weekend no one from the mainland. <laughs> <laughs> All the Tasmanian people are going, I get it. I love that. Uh, and I think uh, when we're talking to Luke at some point, uh, after we do the record, we said to him, so that'll be up in the next few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what's in this, and I'm apologising in advance if there's a lot of Tasmania gear, because mm. Luke McGregor's also from Tasmania. Yeah. So at the time, it would have been three Tasmanians chatting about Tasmania. We also didn't really know what the podcast was. I think this is will be one of the shortest episodes. Yeah, I think it only goes for about 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's 32. It's, <laughs> it's only 32 probably, minutes. I think you've been a bit of We better talk for a bit longer here. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's why I wasn't worried. I'm like, this could go on for a bit. Um, but we can mention some of the other people coming up. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can. So, I mean, the first episode is Luke McGregor. It is a very good episode as well. This like, episode? Yeah, this episode. Oh, it I is a, heard it. It is a good episode. I've, I've been listening back to it uh, in my time, two minutes at a time. <laughs> Taking me a month. Um, so he, he talks about essentially how we use, I mean, you'll hear it, but. No, don't do it. Don't let it All right, know. fine. Who, who's Listen coming up? That's what I was saying. Matt O'Kine. Yep. Matt O'Kine uh, of All Day Breakfast with Matt and Alex. Yep. Uh, he's on there. Then also Jen Fricker. Jen's great. Jen's a friend of ours. Yeah. She was great. Um, how many do you want to give away? Well, well, there's a video going out, so you Arnie will Donna, see. Arnie, Arnie Donna, they, those boys are really good. Yeah. Really open. They, it's the start of it's awful. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's my five. It's my favorite bit. It's five men yelling at each other. <laughs> uh, Husey. Husey's on there. Yeah. Husey. Mr. Dave Hughes. Um, uh, Geraldine Hickey's on there as Geraldine well. Geraldine is one of my favorites. She, yeah. was, she was a lot of fun. Christian Hull is Cal phenomenal. Wilson. Cal, Cal was Wilson. Cal Wilson. Cal's so lovely. Was very good. She was born lovely. Yeah, she was. She, I've spoiled the episode. Different podcast, yeah. different podcast. Uh, Nick Cody's on there as well. Uh, it's an awesome uh, season. Wendell Saylor? Funny. Yes, Big Dell. We're going for funny people, not just not just comedians. So Yeah, that was the big thing for us, wasn't it? Wasn't It's not supposed to just be professional comedians. It's people who are funny in whatever avenue they actually do to make money. Yeah, there's a, I mean, a lot of this season is, is sort of people we know or people we know we know. So there are a lot of comedians, radio people, but um, there will be many a seasons of this because Nathan and I are manifesting this to be a success. Success. Yes. Um, and we will chat to as many funny people in all different industries. Mm. So, ladies and gentlemen, let us present Season 1, Episode 1, Born Funny with Luke McGregor. If this is shit, I promise it gets better. Enjoy. <laughs> ah, funny people. 
An odd bunch, really. Not your usual folk. They've been making us knee slaps since the ancient Greeks. But what makes these real-life jesters tick? Perhaps today we should ask this person. Hi, I'm Luke McGregor. Tell me, were you born funny? I don't know. It was... I, I, don't, I didn't really have any awareness at the time. <laughs> 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 Please welcome Luke McGregor. Lukey. Thank um, you. Thanks, everyone. Mate, uh, thank you so much for joining us. First cab off the rank uh, for Born Funny, and this is exciting. Uh, we're Tasmanian, living in Hobart at the moment. Uh, the place where you were born. That is correct. That is factually correct. Someone's done their research. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all we've got. Yeah. I got one right. Yeah, so if you, you can just fill out like Hobart to like Rosehaven, and in between that, we'll be, we'll be flying. That's all I've got. I'm yeah. just stuck. Well, I mean, tell us, I guess, um, you attended Dominic College here in Hobart. Uh, can you tell us, I guess, a bit about you, you growing up here in, in Hobes? I, um, I was a pretty nerdy kid. Um, I was, uh, mum and dad once said to me, we're going to, we're going to put you in self-defense classes because, um, you're going to get teased. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I think you guys have got a photo of me there from when I was younger and, uh, yeah, you can see why it was, um, yeah. It's, uh, well, it's a lot I- of material. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. I I didn't. Um, I tend to I tend to be a pretty uh, introverted kid. Like I used like video games and um, I, I, you know I'd spend time by myself. I, I didn't I didn't love getting amongst it. I was try I was actually trying to avoid most social situations and things like that. I, fa- I found them too nerve wracking. Well, did that have something to do? I read that you you dislocated your jaw when you were young and you couldn't couldn't close your mouth properly did the, did you have some i know anxiety around that being i know young oh it wasn't even dislocated it was it was born a bit wrong oh um, wow so i i had a jaw that um wouldn't close properly my my teeth would bang against each other my the way my mouth was sort of shaped it it didn't it, it wouldn't quite close um which is really hard when you're trying to eat um, <laughs> but uh yeah so it was um so then i had braces and that Kind of fixed the jaw, but um, the teeth were still a bit out of whack. And and the, my dentist got done for malpractice. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't for me. But I mean, I remember once I was supposed to get four teeth out, and then they, they took five. Oh, and he's, uh, he was sitting there with his assistant, and he, and he said, uh, "Oh yeah, so that we we took four out." And then his assistant said, "Oh no, five. And he goes, five? Really?" And he had a look, and he goes, "Oh yeah." <laughs> yeah oh shit! Of, I was that like, level of uh, good. So what? yeah. Um, I was reading, Luke, like, I mean, w- with the whole jaw situation, you said that you always looked a bit shocked. Uh, what What is that? Yeah, it was always a my, default mouth open, so default, um, like, like when like when you're, like, sort of, yeah, I always had my mouth. I don't, is, I don't know if this podcast is um, visual as well. But, it is um, visual. It is yeah. a visual. Oh, <laughs> we can see shit, it. Yeah, I would you... put more effort into my appearance. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so... Always, always sort of open. I can't do it anymore because my teeth are fixed. Thank God. Um, but, um, <laughs> and you look my, good. My, my, you look um, good. Thanks. But my uh, yeah, my mouth was always ajar, a little ajar. Just, I mean, just quickly, you've already mentioned your parents sort of putting you in in self defence classes, and you know, looking a bit shocked. And then you're talking about this dentist that's done for malpractice. Do you think that early on you were maybe humour became because of your life, like the, these bizarre things? I guess that haven't happened to other people. I found um, my, uh, not to get too dark on your first comedy podcast, my parents <laughs> would argue a lot growing up. So I um, I would, um, I, I found humour was a good diffuser. Like it tended to be able to diffuse any situation. So I tended to rely on it a lot and then just 
gradually rely on it more and more. Um, but I never thought of it as like a career. It just felt like a very good um, defense mechanism, a, a good way to be. I, I, and I don't know. I, I hope that not every comedian comes from like a troubled background. I, I, I'm, I'm sure it's possible to be funny and happy. Um, <laughs> but, I haven't um, met anyone my, yet. My humor de- <laughs> yeah, my, my humor definitely stemmed from um, some issues growing up. Mm. So you would use humour as almost like a protective instinct. Did this start from a young age? I mean, you said red hair, glasses, jaw issues. Uh, was this a was this a protective thing that you developed pretty quickly? Yeah, um, it was. Um, it was the thing I could do. You know, it's sort of. Uh, I, I think I think a lot of time when you're growing up, if you're not good at uh, at least in my time anyway, if you weren't good at sports or you weren't good at schoolwork like what else what else did you have going for you um and I wasn't very good at sports I wasn't that good at schoolwork but I I could make people laugh and I sort of latched onto that I'm like okay that's my thing I can do that um that's something so was this was this a young age when you when you realized that like did somebody tell you what's what's your earliest memory of making someone laugh uh it's quite late actually it was um I remember, I remember being, I don't remember what I was saying, but I remember being in a circle of adults as a young kid and telling and making them laugh without meaning to and then thinking I'll, I'll tell a joke I know. And I think I must have been around, um, uh, this might have been before I went to school, um, but I just remember being in a circle of adults who were laughing at me and, I, and then I tried to tell an actual joke to make them laugh and no one laughed I started crying. Um, that's, that's my... <laughs> That's my, my first gig. <laughs> Do you think when you worked, your first uh, yeah. job was with your mum and, dad's, mum and dad's real estate agent, was was that maybe being around adults? Like that helped you, I guess, see what was funny and what wasn't? Oh, I was a cleaner originally, so I um, I wasn't around anyone. Uh, <laughs> but I, but I, I don't know. I think growing up I could see that I was making people laugh maybe more than other people were. Like my, my, my laugh quota was slightly higher. Um and also, I you know I looked funny. I, I had a I looked unusual, um, red hair and massive teeth, and these um, glasses that an adult should be wearing, not me. It was so I, I don't know. I just sort of leaned into it, I suppose. Um, I, I sort of realised early on I wasn't going to be the heartthrob, so um, maybe uh, yeah. You just sort of you just find whatever role you've got in the group. I don't, yeah, it was. It was kind of me trying to find my purpose, I think. Like, Luke, what do I bring to the group? Do you remember as a kid when you were, I mean, it's probably, it could be a similar feeling now, but when you, when you did get those big laughs as a kid when you're trying to figure out your purpose and what you're doing, how did it make you feel? Like what was the, what was the instant feeling? Was it gratification? Was it that sense of purpose or was it the, the sense of, oh, I want to keep doing this? If it was a bully um, and I made the bully laugh, it was relief. Um, <laughs> if it was a, group of friends it was just it made me feel like I had a usefulness to the group I know I was very I was very uh, insecure going up so um it wasn't so much about um enjoying myself as much as like trying to avoid feeling uh, down on myself for those brief periods where I was making people laugh I was um you said a pretty negative outlook growing up, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, looks like why have I agreed to this podcast? This is a <laughs> yeah. Terrible. Born funny or born sad? <laughs> born sad. Yeah. Do you? I, I read somewhere it, that. 
that you wanted to be a champion cricketer when you were young and that you weren't yeah, very good. Yeah, that at, was the first thing I wanted. Yeah, yeah so you weren't sports. very good at cricket, but you'd, you'd practice the the speech after you'd made a century. Do you think that was early days of you, like, crafting stand-up and, and being, like, presenting and doing comedy? No, that that was like, you know, trying to come up with a TV show idea, but deciding, you know what, I'm going to work on the DVD cover art first. <laughs> that's, that's that. It was just a wrong... wrong... <laughs> I was jumping ahead and that put so much pressure on when I did play cricket because I'd be like, fuck, I can't wait to play for Australia, but I'd be there. <laughs> and I'd, I'd get out for a duck every I've got, time. I've got the speech ready. And then you're like, ah. Oh, yeah. Uh, look, I'm I mean, going to get to use your speech. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember yeah, anything? Makes me, I always wonder about that, though, like people who have dreams of, um, like I really thought I wanted to be a cricketer. Like I was positive that was it. And I was terrible at it. So if you're listening to this and you've got a dream and you're just feeling like you're not, it's not you. You're just not good enough at it. That's that's fine. It might be that you haven't discovered the right dream yet. <laughs> I think you'd rather be. Would you rather be really bad at something? Because I think if you had a dream and you know you're an all right cricketer, then you know that you're like, oh, I've got to keep going because I could get better at this. If you just really suck at it, then you know early on, ah, oh, well, it was my dream, but I'm not good at it. That's a that's a really good point, actually. Yeah, I was terrible, so I knew to stop. But if I was okay. Had some good runs, had some good games. Maybe I would have just kept pushing and pushing and pushing, but never quite getting there. That's a, it's a great point. Maybe you want to be, you either want to be on either side of the scale, right? You want to be really good or, or really bad. So you clear. Yeah, so you know that you yeah. don't want to do it anymore. Well, look, I mean, let's talk exactly. about dreams as a kid. Obviously, cricket was on there. Uh, that didn't quite pan out. Did comedy become a dream to become a performer, or did you fall into it? Like, was it was it a dream as a kid? Did you wake up and one day be like, I want to be on stage telling jokes? No, I, I fell into it. I um, I really want to be a doctor for a while. Um, but uh, yeah, I just um, I, I did stand up once, and then enjoyed it, and just thought, I'll just keep doing it. But it wasn't until I was maybe I don't know twenty nine or thirty that I thought maybe I can make this into a career. Yeah, because you went to but, you, um, you went to the University of Tassie. And you studied a few yeah. different things, I believe. Seven years you were there for. Oh, for too long, seven yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> what for, kind for of things were you... For a four-year degree. When, well, so when, when you were leaving Dominic College, what was going through your head? Was comedy ever in it at all? Or you were just like, I've got to get to uni and get a real job? I just get to get to uni and get a job. Um, I guess I was just scared to not be at school, you know, because that's your whole life up until that point. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, just get to uni, do something. Law and economics at the time. Yeah. Uh, and just try. And then I was hoping that if I, you know, did well enough at uni, I'd just, I'd be able to get a job easily. Um, it was it was all about safety, just trying to pick whatever the safest option was. With law at UTAS, I mean, I was lucky enough to also do law at UTAS. Uh, a lot of the... You com- and Luke's career is very similar. Very similar. Um, yeah, I mean... I've, I'm a lot of people from- in the entertainment industry from uh, law UTAS. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, massive. Yeah, we were all there. Jim, Failed athletes. Jim Jeffries, yeah. Carl Barron, we were all in the same class together. <laughs> Hannah, Hannah Gadsby, Ricky Ponting, we all did <laughs> law at UTAS. And then, um, uh, Ricky, wanted to be, uh, Ricky wanted to be a comedian, though. He yeah. was yeah, just... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't good enough. So <laughs> Stop you, Ricky. I got one over you. Yeah. Look, I was a I was a terrible law student. I managed. To, I was the same. Seven eight years at uni, trying to push through it. But a lot of the a lot of the components at law uh, were speaking components. They were getting up in front of people and they were talking. And I would try to make jokes during those speeches and stuff. Did that creep into your to your law presentations at all, or did you kind of stay away from that? Um, I think that's a good point. I think. Um 
at least for me anyway, my experience was um, like looking back over what I wanted to do, there were a lot of clues. Um, like I did law because I did enjoy that sort of speech side of it, that creativity. I, I, teaching because I thought I was going to talk in front of people. Um, like even medicine was um, about me interacting and, you know, being among people's lives. Like uh, there, there, was, there were clues along the way um, that maybe comedy or this job was for me. But um yeah, it never really clicked until um, I did stand up. Is there is there anyone here in in Tassie, whether at Dominic College or at UTAS or whatever? Was there anyone that I guess identified you as being funny and was like always like laughing at your jokes, like a teacher or someone, a mentor? No, no, no one appreciated the genius. <laughs> <laughs> Not appreciating your time. Must be nice. No one could see the gold I had. Uh, no one knew they were sitting next to a future Logie winner in the economic sector. Have you, have you ever run into, um, I know you've mentioned, I mean, not to jump ahead, we'll come back, but we'll chat Rose having a little bit later, but you've mentioned, your you podcast, know, do what you want. Yeah, <laughs> well, your character there, Daniel, you know, it's that, that idea of, you know, bullied, but his bullies are there. I think you've mentioned your, you've come back to Tassie. Have, have you run into anyone, any of your bullies or anyone from Tassie, from Hobart? Yeah, I, yeah. One of my, one of my, one of the guys who used to bully me at school, and not really bully me, but one of the people I used to be maybe a bit standoffish. I met at the school reunion, and you know they're a firefighter now, and they're a legend, and they're really lovely. And it was actually quite healing going back because I, I had all these um, images of school going, oh, I was mistreated, and now I'm going to come back king, and blah blah. blah. But <laughs> everyone, no one, no one cares. No one remembers. <laughs> like, yeah. like you go remember in year three when you did this at Scarby me for life, and like, sorry, what was your name? And it's like it's like no one. <laughs> No one, you know, now everyone's got their own stuff going on. So it was quite it was quite nice to sort of um, go back to the reunion and realise that, you know, everyone's lived a full life since school and something that you might have held a grudge against, they don't even remember. And they're quite nice now and they've got kids. So it's, um, yeah, it was good. It was a nice healing experience, actually. I wish more people would watch Rosehaven, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, speaking of remembering, do you was there were there teachers? Like, what did Luke McGregor's report card say at high school? Was it talkative? Uh, was it funny? Was it smart? Was it quiet? Uh, what would, did it would, say? Has potential, but needs to apply himself. Was my main one, um, or um, you know, would be, be would be would be would have better grades if he didn't disrupt the class so much, like that sort of stuff. Okay. Um, a lot of season bees. Um, I had one teacher, Mr. Katamanis, who um, who did have an impact on me because he he made me realise that no matter what the subject was, if you're passionate about it, you can keep people's interest. Um, and uh, I really spilled my guts to him on the street years and years later. Didn't remember who I was. <laughs> so who are you? <laughs> what did he teach? Oh, one of his students. Oh, okay. Um, so it was, um, he, but he was a massive impact on me. We were um, here in Hobart. You and, just ran uh, into him. I actually him. have met him since and he remembered me, which is a really huge okay. deal for me because I... Um, but yeah, he was a big impact because he he just taught me that um because we had a really misbehaving kid in the class and in his classes he wouldn't misbehave. And so I, I do think about that a lot when I do stand up. What um what did he teach, Mr. Kanamaris? Forgot what my main point was, but uh... <laughs> people people who were there. Were, oh, you guys are frozen. Um oh, are we here? I thought there was just dead air, but there's not, <laughs> I can't hear you guys anymore. That's why <laughs> that's why this isn't working. Yeah. Yeah. Can you hear have you got us now? Oh, is it my fault or yours? We can hear you fine. We can hear you fine. Might be, Might Air- be the AirPods. 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 Can you hear us? Keep saying stuff, guys. Hey, um, hey, hey. One, two. Hey, hey, hey. Ah, oh, hey, thank hey. God. Huh? Oh, you, you got, got us? I thought, oh, shit, they're bored or they're blessed. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Yeah, Katamaris yeah, yeah. has called there and said, a... hang up on him. Yeah, Mr. Katamaris. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, we're good. There you go. We're going to have to start oh, this go. whole thing again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Now we've all got headphones. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, it's it's like real, he's here in the studio with us. It's a real radio yeah. interview. Um, all right. Well, Luke, let's go. Uh, you about your teacher, was yeah, Mr. Kanamaris. Mr. Kanamaris. What, what did he teach? Oh, Kanamaris. 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 Not Kanamaris. What did he teach? English. English. Okay, right. So yeah. A subject like that, obviously, I mean, it kind of embodies a little bit more creativity and stuff. Do you think that's why, I mean, him more so than a, a maths or a science teacher probably got through to you a little bit more? Possibly, but he was the first teacher that I had that I really felt like he loved his subject. A lot of the teachers felt like they were sort of going through the motion. He, was, he, he felt like he was really enjoying it. <laughs> Leaving uni, first job. I mean, were you at, I read you were working at, were you working at Centrelink at one point, Luke? Yeah, I was working in the, I think it was called the Dead Investigation Department. Um <laughs> And thank God I didn't have to ring anyone. I was I was um, more data entry, but I had friends who had to call people and say, "Hey, so you owe us eighty thousand dollars." <laughs> Surely it's not your don't fault. Be, it's a bit of an don't, accident. Don't be worried. You can you can pay it back one dollar a year. Like it was that sort of um, it was that level of uh, yeah. It was this, it was an interesting position to be, and I um, yeah. I but I. I it was a job, um, but yeah, I didn't have to call anyone. Thank God. So, how long were you at Centrelink for, and how did how did the job start at Centrelink? That is not an exciting story. I just applied online and did an interview and got it. <laughs> wow! So <laughs> the Daily Mail. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't like that. I did a, like a an obstacle course. Or, <laughs> not a great anecdote, mate. <laughs> It's not making the stand up. Um, so you're, you're at Centrelink. We also know Medicare, and then it, you know you end up working in the superannuation industry. That period of time when you're working these jobs before you're getting into comedy, are, are you the funny one at work? Are you the one that cracks everyone up? Yeah, I, I used to make a lot of jokes at work. My yeah. favourite, and it was it's pretty dumb, but I um, it was my favourite was um, <laughs> I'd say to like I had a, one of my friends, Catherine, who I used to work with in Super. I used to tell her when I was on the I'd pretend to be on the phone and say, "Sorry, Catherine, can you just grab that printout for me?" And she'd go over to the printer, and it would just be a bit of paper that says, "Catherine is rubbish." <laughs> How often? And, um, how often I just, did you do that? Oh, uh, I, I think I, I managed to do it maybe four times before she just refused. Didn't <laughs> I think she wanted to. I think after this third time, she just wanted to see if I would I do it again. And then when she confirmed, yeah, he's just done it again. But was there e- was there ever a moment after she stopped doing it that you actually needed Catherine to grab something from the printer for you? Oh, those no, there was many times, but that 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 that, that ship had sailed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Catherine, I really need that thing from the printer. Nah, bad your chance. You've stuffed yeah, it. Is, uh... So what about, okay, if you're, say, Catherine or maybe someone else, was there any of those people maybe saying to you, oh, you, Luke, you're wasted, you're wasted here in superannuation, you, you've got to get into comedy. Was anyone having those conversations? Oh, not, not really, because at work there were people that I think were funnier than me. Like, they're, they're, you know how you just meet people in life and you're like, God, they're a crack mouth. But, you know, I think there's a certain type of person where it translates to stand up um but um you know we all have people around us who can make us laugh um but yeah do I you think there's something do in, in front of strangers in that like we we meet people all the time um then we just like th- these guys are so funny sometimes you know people that we think are funny than us and, and we're lucky enough to you know try and crack jokes every day is there something in certain people like yourself maybe where you there gets to a point where you're like well i have to do this i have to put the time and effort like it what ba- what balance is i guess talent and what balance is hard work I think 
Yeah, I don't know. I've never really, I've never like taken someone under my wing to try and make them quote unquote funny, but it's. um, Do you think you could? Can you make someone funny or I guess are they born funny? I think everyone's made someone laugh at some point. Um, And it's just about whether you can sort of take that story that you've told your friends and uh, made them laugh and see if you can tell it to a bunch of strangers. And if you can do that, you're pretty much a stand-up comedian. So it's... um, I'm I'm reluctant to say that anyone's born anything, but there I mean there are certain people that have maybe a, you know the way your voice sounds lends you more to comedy than someone else. But um, I, I think anyone can be 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 funny, um, and, and you know because I I, I I think there'd be very few people who've gone their whole lives without at least making one person laugh at one point. Have you have you met anyone that hasn't made you, maybe in the old superannuation Centrelink Medicare game? Oh, look, there are people that haven't made me laugh, but I, I haven't been around them their entire life. Okay. <laughs> Catherine so, tried to get you back. <laughs> so I might have just, um, you know, passed them at the printer. <laughs> so they might have been having a tough day, but maybe they're very funny. So, yeah, it's, um, I don't know. Oh, yeah, but Born, born Funny is a funny one. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think so because I don't think anyone's born funny just because, you know, you're if you just put a baby in a, and didn't give it and made it give it a really like serious upbringing and to be an assassin, I guess it's probably, really not, gonna, it's probably not gonna be, it's probably not gonna get in a stand up. So, it does sound like yeah, that's something we should do, not like literally, right? But like a TV show or something. Well, assassin well, yeah, baby. It's a, it's an, it's a, it's an, it's an experiment where you'd have to get a, a certain number of babies, a, a sample group and a, a control group or whatever, race. <laughs> 30 of them as an assassin, race 30 of them as a comedian and see if well, this crossover. We Luke, we are actually recording this podcast above an IVF clinic and there's a kindergarten next door. So this... All right, there you go. So you can, <laughs> you can, you can run the experiment. Resources everywhere. <laughs> we'll get back to you in 30 years. Um, Luke, okay. So, I mean, the fir- we, we touched on it earlier. The first stand-up gig, what was it? Where was it? Uh, Royal Comedy, 2007 uh, at the University of Tasmania. Uh, what, Bar. Yeah. What was the reason that you chose to have a crack at that? I was drunk, <laughs> uh, and someone didn't show up. Someone didn't show up, and I was there to support my housemate. So I, um, I said, "Can I take their spot?" Two and a half minutes was really good. I, I, I did really well. I was telling people, "You might want to put down your drink because you're about to laugh your ass off, <laughs> um, and you will spill it all over yourself." And people were like getting into it, like, "Oh wow, this guy's this guy's going to be great." And then the last two and a half minutes, no jokes. <laughs> <laughs> So what was the last two and a half minutes? Was it prepared? It was it was hype. Okay. It was, it was me being my own hype man for two and a half minutes and then just the slow realisation from the audience that this guy doesn't have any material, he's just all talk. It's not a good set. So, I mean, the first two and a half minutes, uh, it's slayed. Uh, did you have oh, anything prepared? I was on fire. <laughs> I had uh, I'd written a couple of thoughts down on a bit of paper when I saw people backstage like going over their bits, but um, I didn't. Uh, not really. I just I just thought it'd be funny to get up and hype myself up when I've never done this before. Like that sort of um, feigned confidence. Confidence, you know? yeah. But I was confident. Yeah, but I was. I had no jokes, so that was kind of the joke. But when I actually got to the point where I had to start making jokes, that's when it started to derail. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So, so that happens now. Did you on the first go? Did you make it through to the final of of, of raw comedy? 
I uh, no no. You did it. Um, it wasn't until the next year that I did that. So the next um, year you went in uh, more so prepared. What, what, what happens in that year? What happens the year between doing the first one and then doing it again a year later? I did. Um, I started doing gigs just on the regular, just going to pubs and um, you know doing gigs like the the new Sydney where um, you know they'd turn off the rugby and everyone would start booing and then the comedian would come on. Um, <laughs> And um, people are just trying to eat their palms and catch up with their family and you're trying to tell jokes um, and not even like good jokes. You're trying to test material. And so, <laughs> yeah, I, I just did bits of, I, so I had, a, I had my, my second gig went really well. Then I had a third gig that bombed and then I was, but, but I, I'd sort of had enough success. And I'm like, I really like this. And I could tell that the bits that were working were, were working well. So I just sort of got better and better at um, my, the, the, the delivery and the, the, the storytelling. So you're getting better and better. Obviously, you go on to make the the national final of, of raw comedy, which is which is absolutely amazing. When can you remember the moment when you decided to go? You know what? This is a career. This I want to pursue this more. Was that was that a a flick of a switch? Was it like okay, now I'm going to go real hard. This is now my career, or was it a gradual thing that as the money started coming in, you started changing over into that? Oh, it was pretty gradual. It certainly wasn't money coming in. Um, <laughs> Got its it comedy. Was yeah. Very, yeah. It was very <laughs> gradual. The big break came when I got cast on Utopia. That was that enabled me to actually quit my job. But up until that point, I was sort of I I I I worked for a few years in superannuation as a a business analyst, and I saved twenty k, and then I quit, uh, and then thought I'll just try and live off this twenty k for as long as I can, and um, see if I can make this into a. A jo- a job. So you had the twenty k uh, saved, I, and then you got the Utopia gig and quit, or you quit before getting the Utopia gig. I, I quit before Utopia, but I was um, it was ju- it was just before. Like there were, I, I thought I might get Utopia, or, or I was cast as like a on a pilot of Utopia. I can't remember. It was before, but but it was um, but I feel like that between that and but then when that finished, because uh, a, a, a bit part on an ABC sitcom doesn't pay a lot of money, <laughs> and so um, <laughs> as then I was um. Then I just sort of lived off my 20K for as long as I could. I, 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 it was about a year and a half, two years before I started to earn an income properly. That was enough to sort of live off. What do you tell your family and your friends when you decide to be a full-time comic? Did you tell them? Did they just find out Did by they, watching the show? No, they found out <laughs> listening to this podcast. <laughs> do, they yeah. not know? do they not know? Are no, you they, still at Centrelink? <laughs> I dress up in a suit when I see them. Um, yeah, uh, just apologies for... <laughs> going to uni for so long and then not end up not using the degree. Uh, yeah, they, they, they were, they were okay. Dad, Dad said to me once, as long as you don't ask me for money, you can do whatever you want. Um, and so I never asked him for money. Uh, yeah, they were, they were pretty supportive in a sort of make sure you've got a backup, only do this until you run out of money sort of way. Um, and then when I, then when they started seeing me on TV, that's when I started to think, okay, this could, this is real. Did anybody say to you, be it friends, family, partner, whatever, that this isn't a good idea and you shouldn't do it? Most people, I guess. Uh, <laughs> when I told them I quit my job, why'd you do that? Why don't you just keep working? And and I'm like, oh yeah, I should have done that. <laughs> <laughs> did you or did, did um, you did you doubt yourself when people were saying that? Were you, how hard is it to keep going when people are being like, oh, wouldn't do that? I was when I started having. Negative. Um, when I started, when my bank account started getting those overdraw fees, you know, when you get like minus thirty dollars because you because you drew too much out, that, yeah. that's when I started to doubt myself the most. But um, the good thing about quitting your job, other than the um, having a tuna rice and peas every night, was that it creates a vacuum. 
like I think when you're working and you've got a little bit of safety there, it doesn't you don't quite have the drive that if you when you have no money and you don't have a job and you've got nothing during the day happening. Um, that was kind of, that that created like a vacuum for me to try a lot harder at making this work. And you know, I'm obviously I'm pretty lucky that if I was really in trouble, I could probably I could have moved back to Tassie, maybe live with parents for a while until I got back on my feet or you know, maybe reapplied for a job, even though at that point it was about a year and a half gave my resume. Um, so I was never, you know, in real trouble. But just not having a job did help me get motivated to work harder is to it, try and make this something. Is there a moment, I mean, you may not feel that way, that, that you made it? I mean, you know, you you talk about doing that first open mic night in 2007. Uh, for those that don't know, you win the best newcomer at the Melbourne International Comedy Fest in 2013. Is that a moment? Is there a moment before that? Have you still not felt that you've gone, hey, this is, I am a comedian, this is it, I've made it, I'm here? I think, you, um, I think you're always setting a new goal for yourself as soon as you achieve something. Um, like even when we got, you know, Rosehaven and we've done five seasons, you know, you still look at what's the next thing. But um, I think the key is to try and appreciate and I'm not very good at it, but trying to appreciate what you've got. Like in the same way, you guys have got a really cool job trying to, you know, you don't want to lose your drive, but also appreciate that you got a really cool job. So it's, yeah. um, that's what I've been trying to do anyway. And what is the next step, Luke? What is next for Luke McGregor after, um, after Rosehaven? I don't know. I, I, wanna, I was going to take a holiday to New Zealand because I've never been, but that, that's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Back to Tasmania. I'm, I'm, yeah. Because they'll let me in. Um, <laughs> I'll 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 definitely do another TV show at some point if you know someone will let me make it. Um, and Seals and I really want to work together again. Um, I'd love to make a movie. I'd love to make a horror movie. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Have you got but, any ideas? Um, have you been, have you been writing anything for a movie or a TV yeah, show? Or, yeah, I have. Um, but it's all you know on a word doc somewhere that may never sit a lot of day. And, and I'd like to do another documentary with the guy I did lukewarm sex with. Um, uh, Hamish. Um, Hamish, Hayden Guppy. Um, he, did, uh, he, a, he directed Lukewarm Sex, um, and uh, we'd love to do another sort of factual together as well. What, what would you do? You know what you'd do because Lukewarm Sex was I'd great. To, I'd love to do something more economic, sort of more political, more sort of in line with what I've been doing with the weekly. Okay, um, that sort of uh, making something that sort of sounds like boring economics and trying to make it fun for someone to understand. That's, I'd love to do that. Are you are you Next. just doing that because you feel pressure to use your degree? Is that- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get seven years back. Um, <laughs> oh, part, partly just because I, I really, I like economics, and it's um, like even though I love comedy, I, there's still part of me that really loves economics. So it's nice to be able to play in that area a bit. Yeah, they're all sort of ideas at the moment. Um, so yeah, I know you might see me in a couple of months back in Tassie living with my parents because I'm unemployed. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. See you on the street. He'll be on the other side yeah. of Centrelink. Uh, <laughs> going in there. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Luke, Luke, Luke McGregor <laughs> owes Centrelink eighty thousand dollars. <laughs> you, you skimmed. skimmed Cat, Catherine's making yeah. the phone call, uh, and um, I'll, I'll remember. I'll like, is it, is it you, Vanessa? Oh, hi, Luke. How you going? <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. I mean, not great, but <laughs> thought you'd be back here. Yeah, <laughs> we knew yeah. it. We knew it. Um, uh, Luke, mate, we can't thank you enough for being uh, first cap of the rank uh, for Born Funny. We really do appreciate your time um, with us this morning. Uh, is there is there anything for budding? I didn't realise that was the last question. I would have ended on a high note. No, <laughs> well, I'm just worried the Zoom unemployment. <laughs> if the Zoom cuts out, we might we might have to call you back uh, quickly. Yeah, I think might... we, I think the Zoom's about. To... Yeah, the so Zoom we might can call out. you back. We'll, we can keep going. Well, yeah, I'm happy to. I'll try and call you back. If the Zoom cuts out, we'll just try and call you back. Yeah. Um, 
you're you're eating into the time you could be wrapping up <laughs> by, <laughs> by saying that you might have to wrap up soon. Yeah. <laughs> We're not used in, in radio. Nath just pushes the button. You know, after three minutes, we just go to ads and yeah. music. Yeah. The podcast. Anyway, out. here's a song. Uh, we'll play this for you. No. Um, <laughs> any any advice, Luke, uh, for up and coming comedians who who might be listening to this, who want to have a crack? You, I, I know uh, when you came on our radio show, you spoke very highly of raw comedy uh, as a good way to to start and get some experience. Um. This is advice not just for comedians but for anyone who's maybe not quite happy with what they're doing for a living and thinks there might be something else for them is that keep your eye out for clues. You might not know exactly what you want to do but you might know that you like talking in front of people or you like, um, in my case, when I was growing up, spreadsheets. Like you just find the, look for clues for things you'd like and then try and eventually come to a job that where you can paste as many of those together as you as you can. So it's... um. Keep your eye for the clues is my advice to anyone um, either in this industry or any other one is um, was that yeah, something you, know you, would, you like was that something you were doing you knew or was that by accident throughout you know you talk about seven years at uni and, and school and all these things were you looking for the clues or you know that now looking back uh, looking back I, I started to see the clues as I started to do stand up but um, yeah but looking for clues and being open to new experiences um, even if you may not even if you don't think you'll like it is because um, even if you get a job or do something you don't like, that's at least one thing you've ticked off is, okay, so not that. Yeah. You know? So you're at least one step closer to your goal. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that's sort of my advice. Um, and then, you know, and you'll, in a 15 years' time, you'll have your own show. <laughs> so, yeah, so just do that. Yeah. Luke McGregor, we appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, you're an absolute legend. Uh, we can't wait to see you back down in Tassie. Good on you, mate. Um, thanks for having me, guys. Listener.